The Long Way to India. A podcast about my fairly haphazard attempt to cycle from the UK through to India in 2019. Episode 2, Turkey and Beyond. interesting start to my first hour and a half in Turkey. I bombed along the motorway for a bit. I'm not sure if that was allowed or not really. There didn't seem to be any signs to say no cyclists and there were plenty of tractors and things on it. Even saw a pedestrian walking on it at one point so I'm not sure it's the same rules that we have <laughs> over here for our motorways. Here's another tractor. progress for the first 20 kilometers but now I've gone a bit more cross-country because it's not much longer this way to get to the town I'm looking for which is Kesan uh, so a few more kilometers here a bit more hilly and bumpy this way but nice and quiet yeah we'll get to Kesan and change some money hopefully and have some food that evening I made it to the coast so I could camp on a lovely deserted beach it meant the next day I could avoid the motorways for a bit as I headed towards Istanbul. So on day 45 I've made it to Istanbul. Uh, it's one heck of a, a 45 kilometers I had to do today. Started off on kind of a massive hill and then um, we ended up on some motorways for a bit, which is for, I don't know, just sort of three, four, five, six lane carriageways with traffic everywhere and people everyone seemed to want to do 50 or 60 miles per hour even though it's kind of in built-up areas it's just a bit insane really that was probably the, the most dangerous um, and then the last 15 kilometers were, were awful again it was a city city center cycling but on these really narrow streets um, towards the end it just got so chaotic there were so many people so many cars uh, at one point I was being chased by these random dogs and uh, my get out <laughs> exit was into another traffic jam that I sort of so I tried to squeeze between these two cars just to get away from these dogs it was, it was just crazy glad to have made it in one piece thank you after three wonderful days exploring the sights of Istanbul, I decided to take an easier route out of the city. So I'm at the ferry terminal on day 48. I've had a couple of rest days, but I'm on the move again. Um, the opposite of arriving in Istanbul, I had a really nice sort of two kilometer ride on quiet roads to get to the ferry terminal. So. And I think this is a much better way to leave the safety of a boat across the Sea of Mamara. And then, um, yeah, it cuts off about 200 kilometres if I was to go the long way round. And it involves, I think, a couple of motorways over bridges. So I just doesn't feel very uh, appealing. I'm going to really miss Istanbul. It's an absolutely amazing place. Anyway, I better go and see what's going on with this ferry now. I've just bought my ticket. So I'll go and see if I can board it. From Istanbul, I should really have been heading west towards Iran. But sadly, 
I hadn't been able to get a visa for Iran. So instead, I decided to head to the south coast and enjoy a couple of weeks cycling along the Turkish Riviera. It was a great few weeks. It was like a beach holiday, just with 100 kilometers of cycling chucked in every day. But it couldn't last forever. And once I reached the town of Cedar, I finally had a plan. I'd head through to Georgia and see if I could reach Pakistan going round the north of the Caspian Sea. This meant another trip through Turkey, this time heading north. The first stop was the lively city of Konya, and then I was into the wonderful landscapes of Cappadocia. Just had another massive thunderstorm hit. Luckily I just stopped at a petrol station to get some food and drink and it just suddenly started belting down with rain and they were really kind and they let me in their little office for the best part of an hour really, just to let it come through. Now I've set off again because it stopped raining but the sort of storm is kind of raging all around me. The light, the sky has been lit up. Lit up all around me by uh, literally constant lightning, it's amazing. And it is dark now, I mean it's gone nine o'clock so it's pretty much pitch black but I've got all my lights on and uh, with the wind being behind me I think I'm just going to crack on for a bit. Luckily, I just managed to find somewhere to camp and get the tent up before the rain came down again. After an amazing few days cycling through Cappadocia, it was sad to leave the place, but I had to keep going and I was now headed towards the town of Kaisariri. So, um, it's a pretty awful afternoon. Headwind, some awful roads I ended up on, but better than the motorway and then started pissing down just about 10 kilometers from uh, Kaiseriri. So I had to hide out in a um, shopping mall for about an hour, but I got a few bits and bobs, so it's quite useful. I had an awful cappuccino. And now I've just got to a little sort of hotel residence, like a cheap little place. Uh, but some bad news, my uh, panniers are knackered. One of the bolts has just sheared off, so I think they're need replacing the whole pannier which is going to be difficult I think uh, <laughs> and now I just checked into this hotel and he put me in a room that was already taken so I've just burst in on a random guy watching telly uh, so the guy's on his way back now hopefully with a different room key just uh, it's not been a good day <laughs> Things just reached even more farcical proportions. Um, yeah, what the old guy was kind of showing me to the room when we burst in on the, the kid watching telly. So we, we both sort of backtracked and he went down and he came up with another guy from the sort of hotel. So two of them there. And then we, we all, <laughs> three of us had to get in this tiny little lift. And uh, we've gone up to the eighth floor now, which is actually the luxury floor. And uh, yeah, all three of us are crammed in this lift and then it stopped one floor up and this woman tried to get in and she, she was given short thrift um, A because I think we're going up and she wanted to go down and B there was literally no space for another person in this tiny space and then we got to the, to the 8th floor and I stupidly asked about the internet so the old guy rang down to reception and a, another third person came up and started faffing around with the phone and then asking for ID numbers and stuff. And and in the end, I just said, forget it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just let me have a shower, please. 
The next day, I should have gone out and got a new pannier rack, but in fairly typical fashion, instead I just managed to fudge it so that the pannier rack was held in place purely by the weight of the panniers pushing down. From Kaiseriri, I was heading across the centre of Turkey to Sivas, and then over a quite a big mountain range as I headed to the north coast. So I'm on the descent now. It's, uh, it's pretty fast. Terrible road. Uh, not many cars, which is good, and it's pretty straight. It's getting a lot warmer as I... Uh, down. I think I've already lost about six or seven hundred meters. But yeah, it's a lot nicer going down than it is going up these things. I just got uh, very lucky there. I'm basically now on the motorway all the way along the, the coast to Trabzon. I'd love to take another road, but I don't think there is another option, so I'm stuck on this motorway, which is a bit crazy, but it's got quite a big hard shoulder, so it's fairly safe like a lot of the a lot of the Turkish roads. But um, just about 100 yards before I was going to go into this tunnel, which the tunnels are pretty much tunnels of death because they're two lanes, no hard shoulder. I mean, I put my backlight on flashing mode and I just go as fast as I can through them. But yeah, I got cars coming past me 100 miles per hour. But anyway, just before I got to the tunnel, the panniers flicked loose, going over some bumps on the way in, and uh, was fully resting, <laughs> fully resting basically on the wheel, so the wheel wouldn't turn. So I had to pull over, and I wondered what the hell had happened. Luckily, there's sort of a bit of a slip road here, so I managed to take the panniers off and refix the pannier wrap properly again. But if that had happened in the tunnel, I would have been so, so screwed. I mean, I would have literally had to try and jog with the carrying the bike through the rest of the tunnel. I mean, it doesn't really bear thinking about. But anyway, thankfully it's happened now, and I'm, now I'm going to go try and bomb through the tunnel as fast as I can. So on to day 77, I enjoyed my sort of time in Trabzon. Really... I don't know, it's just a kind of uh, busy, interesting place. Got a nice vibe. Yeah, just been for a walk this morning. Just thinking about it, I've only got maybe 48 hours or less in Turkey, which is a bit sad, really. Um, I think I'll probably try, it's about 200 kilometres to get to Batumi. So I'll probably just try and do that over two days and see where I end up tonight. Unfortunately, it's all on that motorway again which could be a bit of a painful couple of days riding but at least it's pretty flat and fast so anyway I'll go get the bike out and let's go my first stop in Georgia was the coastal resort of Batumi it was a cool place all set along a great stretch of beach and seemed to be where all the Georgians flocked to in the summer mainly to drink beer the plan from Batumi was to avoid the busy main road and instead head east and over the ski resort of Godetsky. This route also gave the option for a quick detour into Armenia. So I made it up to the top of the Godetsky resort. Not much at the very top. A couple of shops and a kind of a restaurant, but I mean, it only seemed to have a couple of meals. So I've managed to get some chicken, sort of a chicken stew. Yeah, hell of a day, climbed up 
to the top, which was t- just over 2,000 metres, actually. I didn't realise it was that high. And about 25 kilometres was completely kind of off-road, really, just... I don't know. I think there was a road there at one point, but it's kind of been washed away now, and it's just rocks and gravel and sand and water. So, yeah, that was pretty difficult. I had to push up some sections that were just, just too steep to really try and ride it. And uh, I've just gone over the top and down a little bit, a few hundred metres, and found a nice place to camp on the mountain. So it's pretty cold up here now, which is good. Nice to be cold for once. The next day, I caught up with Lucas, a German guy I'd cycled with in Turkey for a bit. He persuaded me to go and see the caves of Viditia. They were okay, but I'm not sure it was worth a 40 kilometer detour. But at least there was a good restaurant in the village. It had a great menu, and I ordered randomly from it, not really understanding what any of the dishes were. Unfortunately, one of the larger plates we got was a plate of deep-fried liver. I'm not sure Lucas was too impressed. From Georgia, I decided to do a week-long tour through Armenia, as it felt like it was probably the only chance I'd ever get to see the country. It was a pretty tough week actually, but I had a great night in Yerevan, a city I'd never even heard of until I decided to cycle to it. Then the next day, I headed to Armenia's number one tourist attraction, Lake Seven. Unfortunately, by the time I got there, it was pissing down with rain, getting dark, and I just got a puncture. So I ended up hauling the bike over a hedge and camping in a random field. On to day 86. Uh, last night was a disaster. I didn't set the tent up very well because it wasn't an easy place to set a tent. And I've only got, I think I've only got four pegs left now. Uh, I don't know what, they just, <laughs> just seem to lose a peg every other time I set the tent up at the minute. And uh, it rained heavily all night pretty much. And the tent was just leaking from all sides. Yeah, I don't know what happened. At one point, I went out to go to the toilet, and when I came back, it just like water everywhere. Both sleeping bags are pretty wet. One of them soaked. The tent and all of my stuff's wet. My shoes are wet. So my my bags are about twice as heavy now with all the wet stuff in them. It's pretty cold and miserable this morning, so not good drying weather at the minute. And there's a farmer this morning I could hear shepherding his cows around quite near me, so I had to get up pretty early. Anyway, I'm uh, making the most of my morning in Lake Seven, so I've hiked up to the church on the hill on this peninsula, which is a spectacular place actually. Anyway, I'm going to enjoy the views at the church and then go and get some food. And let's hope this rain doesn't come back, but the clouds aren't looking very nice at the minute. So I've left seven now, um, long gone. Luckily I found a nice sort of food court place on the way out of the seven, which is a sort of a buffet style, so you could just point at the things you wanted, which is really easy. And then uh, I went through the tunnel of death, um, which is about three kilometers. Luckily it's slightly downhill, so you can pretty much keep up with traffic, but it's single, single lane traffic either way, not very wide and pitch black. And it was really, easily inside it was horrible to breathe in there but made it through there then the panniers fell off again I stopped and a, an old codger in a larder stopped to help out I'm not sure it's much use but it's nice to have someone just to hold the bike a bit but yeah he kept trying to persuade me to come back to seven and I could sleep at his house <laughs> which is very friendly and nice but I thought it was 25 kilometers to get back to seven 
I mean, I might as well crack onto Tbilisi now. And after, I'm not going back through that tunnel again. That night, I found a fantastic camping area on this vast open plain. And I cycled a few miles from the road, so I couldn't even hear the traffic. So this must be one of the stupidest things I've done on this trip. Um, I found a nice little campsite in the middle of sort of, well, nowhere really. And then I thought, as it's getting dark, I'll have a bit of a wander up to see if I can see the sunset at the top of the hill. So I got up there fine. Couldn't really see the sunset or anything, it had already gone, but quite nice views. And then it's, by the time I sort of head, headed back, it was pretty much pitch black. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and now I can't find the tent, which is a bit of a disaster. So, uh, hopefully I can find the tent in a minute. Luckily, I did manage to stumble across the tent after zigzagging for about 30 minutes. I wasn't actually that bothered about finding the tent. The more pressing matter was that I had a cold beer in there, quickly getting warm. So I've made it to Tbilisi, or Tbilisi, not quite sure how you say it. Yeah, only a 60 kilometre ride, but it was pretty horrendous, all on this really busy road, but it was just um, two-way traffic and very narrow. So I spent the whole time just riding on the white line, trying not to go off the road, trying not to veer into the road and get hit by a lorry. Some sort of kind guy in a... I don't know what it was a kind of van stopped on the hill at the end there's a big hill so he stopped halfway up there and offered to put the the bike in his sort of van thing it's just like too much hassle to take it even to get it in there would have been a lot of work and i only had about 800 meters left so i, I sort of thanked him but said no i'm okay coming into town was a bit of a nightmare as always but then i found some quiet roads and suddenly i found this little hotel i'm in only thing is, I think, I don't know how I've done it, I've left one of my panniers, I think, on the bike still. And it's the one with all my clothes in. And I've had a shower now. And I've uh, not got any clothes to put on, really, because all my cycling clothes have just washed, so they're soaking wet. So I'm just wondering, what, what am I going to put on to try and find where the pannier's gone? Like the tent, the pannier turned up in the end. From Tbilisi, I had a two-day ride to get to the Azerbaijan border. So we are safely into Azerbaijan. Took about half an hour to cross the border, mainly just queuing, and then they're quite thorough at the Azerbaijan side. And they take a photo of you, which is a bit weird. And he did investigate my passport quite thoroughly. But... Yeah, they were happy with the visa and the passport and let me through. So I've got the stamp and it's all downhill from this side for the next 20 kilometers as well and it's a lovely smooth road but I've had reports or heard reports that yeah the road starts off smooth but it doesn't last but I'm going to enjoy it while I can because the panniers have, aren't going well today unfortunately. <laughs> you might be able to hear that the bike's making a funny funny knocking noise which is a bit weird we'll crack on anyway see what happens I've just had the most the most lovely lunch stop actually probably one of the best of the whole trip I'm on this hot road 
pretty flat at the minute, but then it climbs up to the uh, the town I'm heading for, Shockey. So I was sort of looking for somewhere to stop, and then I kind of came past this cafe, and the owner, <laughs> the owner sort of saw me tootling past, and he came running out waving. So yeah, I thought I'll go in and had a nice seat in the shade, and he only seemed to do one dish, which is a kind of soup thing they call it, borscht. But yeah, he came and sat with me for a bit as well, and we. We couldn't really talk, but I used Google Translate to say a few words to him in, uh, in Azerbaijani. He seemed quite impressed with that, and I've learned a few words, which I'm sure I'll forget again, but I've learned the word for thank you, which is chok sol or something like that. And uh, yakshi means good, so they, they should do me for the next two weeks. So I'm just in the tent now, um, found a quite a nice spot actually to camp, a bit close to the main road but yeah, it was getting dark so I just had to make a decision and yeah, found this place sort of in the trees but it's, it's, it's not like a forest or anything, quite near some kind of lake or a bit of water, a um, bit disconcerting that there's a bit of a forest fire raging probably a mile or two away. That seems to be under control. I think it may be some kind of controlled fire. Anyway, no one seems bothered about it. So, um, I'll keep an eye on it though, make sure it's uh, not raging towards me. It's a fairly adventurous start to today. Um, set off with a good tailwind, so I was whistling along a nice sort of 20 miles per hour really, and then coming through this little town, I got a puncture. Uh, pretty much immediate puncture, it just went flat and I was wobbling and then you think, oh god. So I pulled in to what turned out to be a kind of meat, basically a butcher's, but without a, without a shop. An open air butcher's. So there was this sort of meat hanging from the a hook and uh, some just some stuff to cut it all up with. Uh, there was a bit of space, it had a big car park, so I just sort of pitched up, fixed a puncture and then tried to fix the spokes because they're rubbing on the brakes quite a lot, the wheel's totally out of line. Uh, unfortunately, one of the spokes uh, has gone now, which is partly down to me trying to fix it, I think. But uh, I need to replace that, but I managed to true the wheel quite well, so it's not rubbing anymore. So I'm gonna crack on for a bit longer and then maybe fix it this afternoon at some point. I was just, I'd already spent half an hour fixing the tyre and the spokes and I just thought I can't spend another half an hour in this shop really, it's getting embarrassing. But then the, the boss turned up and made me a nice, well he made the little kid get us all the tea. So I uh, had an awkward sort of 10 minutes stood around waiting for this tea to arrive because he had to obviously go get it from somewhere, miles away. Um, but then yeah, lovely cup of tea and I just sat at the back of the shop <laughs> chatting to the boss. I'd long since given up trying to find quiet back roads and now I was just bombing along the motorways. It wasn't much fun with the lorries coming past you at 70 or 80 miles per hour, but it was good for making fast progress. So I'm in Baku, just made it to the sort of the outskirts or I don't know really, the kind of the promenade section anyway on the way in. I'm glad to get off the motorway. That was hard work for a bit, especially as the the wheel's rubbing really badly now on the uh, 
basically on the frame of the bike the spokes are gone I think I need a new wheel so it's been really slow progress the last sort of 20 kilometers I stopped off at a beach which was pretty poor sort of had an oil refinery about 50 yards off the off the beach but no one seemed to mind everyone was just jumping in the water and stuff it was quite nice the sea was warm and stuff and then I stopped for quite an expensive lunch after that just had a few beers and helped uh, help the pain of cycling <laughs> cycling this bike which is knackered for the last 20 kilometers now just walking along the promenade into Baku seems a lovely place actually pretty quiet but I think it'll get busier as I get more towards the city I might find another pub or bar or something and have a few more beers before I get to the hotel I ended up having three days in Baku as that's how long it took me to get my Russian transit visa but at least I managed to also get the bike fixed up I found a great cycling shop Velo Sport and the friendly mechanic built me a new back wheel and replaced the pannier rack the only problem was though with the three-day delay, that by the time I was ready to go, the weather forecast was showing a northerly wind of 50 to 60 miles per hour. This is turning out to be um, even worse than expected today. It's about 50 mile per hour wind straight into my face. And I'm just going along this pan flat, dead straight motorway. And it's just relentless. Thankfully there's a bit of a side road at the minute that's not tarmac, it's just made of mud but I'm going that slowly, like 5 or 6 miles per hour that it doesn't really matter what the surface is like and I'm getting a bit of shelter here from the trees. I've tried to get in behind a couple of lorries and just failed every time to get right in behind them and once you get 3 or 4 metres away from them you're just blown off no chance then. So it's been a bit frustrating. Uh, and there's no there's no cafes or petrol stations either, so there's nowhere to stop even at the minute. We're about 30 kilometres away from a bit of a town, but I hope it's somewhere before then. Because <laughs> that's three hours. This was one of the lowest points on the trip, cycling on a motorway at near walking pace, but there wasn't much else to do out there, so I cracked on. Thankfully, the next day the wind had dropped down to a gentle 20 miles per hour as I headed to the border with Russia. So I'm just coming through Yalama, which is pretty much the last town in Azerbaijan before I hit the boundary with Russia. Uh, strange little place there. Found a supermarket, so I bought some weird cakes to keep me going, hopefully, until I find a cash machine in Russia. Yeah, sad to be leaving Azerbaijan. It's a nice little place. I've enjoyed the uh, the cafes where they, in the mornings and the afternoons, they'll give you a pot of tea, and the pot of tea will sort of last you about six or seven cups. And then in the evening, those same places. turn into like a beer shop or a bit like a pub really and you can just sit around and drink ice cold draft beer. Anyway I'm just coming up to the border now so we'll see see how we get on with the visa.
You have been listening to The Long Way to India by me, Ben Manuja. <laughs>